the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You see, true servants are interested in people, for Christ's sake. And the danger we face as our church grows is getting too busy for people. You realize that? We can become religious technicians, making sure the mechanics of the building work, and that's important, but it's not the most important thing. Making sure that the techniques of church management are, are all in order, that, that has a place, but, but never to overlook the value of the individual. Never. Servanthood. I realize that for some of us, it's much harder to be people-oriented. I know that I sometimes get wrapped up in my list of things to do today and miss out on wonderful opportunities to minister to people around me. If you are a task-oriented person like me, you need to remind yourself to let people interrupt you. That was often how Jesus ministered. People would come to him with needs and he would meet them. Genuine concern for others is one mark of a servant. And servanthood is one of the ingredients that makes for church unity. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is our teacher each weekday for these practical Bible classes of the air. Since 1981, Pastor Steve has been teaching and ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. And his ministry has expanded to also include these broadcasts brought to you by Verse by Verse Ministries. There are times when we see needs around us that we are not equipped to meet. But there are also times when we can help, when we know we should help, when God practically screams at us to help, but we do nothing. Well, not really nothing. We make excuses. That is what we do. We find ourselves too busy with work or family. I'm sure glad that when God saw my need, He was not too busy to send His Son to pay for my sin debt. God is passionate about the hearts of people. If we Christians love Him as we say we do, we will share that very same passion. We will not be too preoccupied with our own little universe to step outside of ourselves in obedience to Christ's call to service. Our main text for this series on unity is Philippians chapter 2. But at the moment, we're making a little side trip into John chapter 13, verse 1. If you have your Bible, turn there now as Pastor Steve begins our lesson. Now, you would expect someone who knows that they're going to die the next day. If you were told you're going to be executed tomorrow, uh, probably your thoughts would be about yourself. You would expect someone who knows that their death would be tomorrow would be preoccupied with thoughts about himself. Because in suffering, we all tend to think about ourselves. That's the natural reaction. But notice what Christ is, is thinking about. Not himself, but his disciples. Because this verse says, having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, in your English Bibles, you might get the thought that he loved them to the end of his life. Uh, that is not really the, the thrust of the Greek word end. It, it is the uh, word uh, that's related to teleos, and it means completely, uh, fully. In other words, he loved them to the uttermost. He, he loved them with everything he was capable of loving them with. 
It's not that he loved them right up till the final moments and then he stopped loving them. No, it's right up. Even, even before his death, he loved them with everything he had. He loved them completely. That's the thought. So what did he do? He spent his last night not, not uh, telling them uh, or not thinking about himself, but he spent his last night telling them church-age truths, which we call the upper room discourse or the farewell address. That's John chapter 13, uh, 14, 15, and 16. That's what he spent his night doing because he loved them completely. He told them the truths they would need to have for the church age. Tremendous, tremendous truth that he was. He, he didn't say, excuse me, and uh, I really can't be around you anymore. Uh, I've got to think about myself. Now, this isn't the only time Christ thought of others when he was suffering and facing death. Look at John chapter 18. And throughout John's gospel, we see this because John exalts Jesus as God. That's the emphasis of John's uh, gospel. And so he is exalting uh, the deity aspect of Jesus and the wonderful way in which he thought of others sort of highlights that. John 18, verse 8, Jesus, now the context is this. He's about, he, he's coming, uh, he is, he's arrested. He's on the verge of being arrested. The Romans and the Jewish people have come out to arrest him in, in the garden. And in verse 8, Jesus answered after he said, whom do you seek? And he said, Jesus, the, Na- uh, the Nazarene. They answered, Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. He's thinking about them. He's thinking about his disciples. If it's, in other words, if it's me you've come to arrest, then let these go their way. You have no need for them. Now, that is a marvelous truth and insight into the person of Christ. He's about to be arrested, and yet, he doesn't lose his, his sense of concern and sensitivity to these men around them who at this point must have been uh, trembling in their sandals. Not only that, John 19, most appropriate uh, passage for Mother's Day, John 19, verse 26 and 27, while on the cross, he's thinking about his mother, Mary. Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. He is not saying, woman, look up here. What he is saying is, woman, look at John, because from this point on, John is going to take you in and he'll be to you like a son. He is your son. And then he said to the disciple, meaning John, behold, your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his household. He's on the cross and he's still thinking about others. In addition to that, remember the the thief who repented on the cross and Jesus said what? Even was concerned about him to say this day you'll be with me in paradise. You see, that is the mark of a servant. A servant thinks about others even when their own life is falling apart. And the point that we need to see is that Paul is like this, and we need to be like this. Servants is sensitive. Are you that way? Are you thoughtful about others, concerned about other people, even when your own world is, is having problems? I tell you, it is easy to get wrapped up in your, in your world, and I have faced that in my own life. It uh, the Lord just uh, about two weeks ago deeply convicted me, my lack of involvement with my family and just asking them how they are. I've been wrapped up not only in the ministry, but uh, a lot of schoolwork and article due, things like that. A very difficult time in terms of pressure and and not enough time. And it's very easy like that to lose sight of the fact that uh, children uh, have important things they need to say and a wife has important things she needs to say. And you see. A servant is marked by thoughtfulness. He or she doesn't just think about themselves. And it doesn't come naturally, just like uh, the seminary student. It's so hard. You've got to work at it. Sure, it's hard. 
it were easy, Paul wouldn't take a whole chapter to, to go over this. You work at it and you remind yourself and you remember that God is at work in you to do this. Now, that's where Paul's coming from. Even though he's stuck in Rome as a prisoner, he's not stuck on himself and his own problems. He's going to send Timothy to the Philippians. And listen, Timothy could have been a great comfort to Paul. And yet he said, I want my best man to be sent to you. Now, in Timothy's life, we learn one more mark of a servant. A servant not only sacrifices with joy and is sensitive, but a servant is also marked by selflessness. Verses 20 and 20, uh, verses 20 through 23. Speaking of Timothy, for I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, for they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth that he has served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go for me. The reason Paul gave such a glowing report about Timothy wasn't to introduce Timothy to the Philippians. He gave this glowing report. They knew about Timothy. Timothy was there. If you go back, and you don't need to do that now, but Acts chapter 16, when this church was founded, Timothy was, was there with Paul. They knew about him. If you look at the beginning of this letter, Paul says it's from Timothy as well, meaning Timothy is with him, though Paul is the writer. So they knew about Timothy, very familiar with him. But, so why did Paul need to speak so highly of Timothy? Why didn't he just say, I'm, why didn't he just say, I'm sending Tim to you? And uh, they would understand. Well, you put yourself in the place of the Philippians. You love Paul deeply. Uh, he loves you. You want to see Paul. You want more than anything in the world to fellowship with Paul and to wrap your arms around him and say, Paul, it's so wonderful to have you here. It's so great. Uh, we have prayed for you. We love you. Did you get our gift? All of that. And Paul writes back and says, I love you, but I'm sending Timothy. Now, you might be disappointed. You might say, we want the real thing. We want Paul. We don't want Timothy. So in order to prevent the Philippians from being disappointed, Paul tells them about the great virtues in Timothy's life. And I believe what he's saying is this. When you get Timothy, you've got me. When you have my son in the faith, it's like you have me, because I have built into his life the truths of servanthood as Christ has built them into my life. And so looking more carefully at verse 20, we read, For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. This is one of the most remarkable statements in the New Testament. Paul is not saying that he has never had anybody around him like Timothy. I'm sure Luke could have been sent to the Philippians. I'm sure Titus could have been sent and Silas could have been sent, but they weren't there. Apparently they were off on some other missionary journey. So Paul isn't saying that there were no other Christian workers who cared about about others like Timothy did, but what he is saying is no one was available to send to the Philippians who really cared about them. That's a remarkable statement. Paul didn't have anybody around him at the time. That means in the whole city of Rome, the, the, and there was a church there, there were believers there, a number of Christians were there. In the whole city of Rome, not one of them was qualified to send to Philippi. If you look at chapter 4, verse 21 and 22, just first for your own reference, you'll see that there are brethren there. He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are, who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. I mean, there's a whole group of believers here. And Paul is saying in verse 20, I have no one else like Timothy who's really concerned about you. He might have said to somebody, will you go to Philippi? No, no, no. I've, I've got a business I've got to take care of. Well, well, could you go to Philippi this uh, this winter or whatever? No, no, no. I, I just got married. I had to take care of my family. And, and on and on. 
on and on. It, it went. It might have been something like that. I don't know if Paul actually specifically asked them, but he knew their own attitudes, and their attitudes were, I'm not going. But Paul knew Timothy really cared about the Philippians. You might wonder if Paul chose Timothy simply because there was no one else to send. I really don't think that Timothy was Paul's choice of last resort. If others were available to send, Paul may have chosen someone else, or he may still have chosen Timothy because Timothy was fully qualified and had a genuine concern for the people of the Philippian church. We are going to take a short break here to welcome you if you just tuned in. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Hi, this is Steve Kreloff from Verse by Verse Radio. I want to take a few minutes to let you know how pleased I am that you're listening to this ministry. Our goal here at Verse by Verse is to teach people the Word of God so that they can be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ and glorify Him. And from what we're hearing, that's what's happening in the lives of those who are listening. One of the great desires of my heart is to make the Word of God clear so that people can understand what God means by what He says. And based Based on the input that we're getting from our listeners, that's exactly what's being accomplished. Now, as a faithful listener to these broadcasts, I feel you should know that Verse by Verse needs your financial support. We appreciate it, and we do need it. It's costly to prepare and broadcast these programs, and we can only continue to do so if our listeners support this ministry. So I would ask you to please prayerfully consider giving a gift as a way of saying thank you to the Lord for providing this program to help you in your Christian walk. All gifts to Verse by Verse are tax-deductible. You can give via PayPal on our website, versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Or you can send your gift to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Once again, thanks. Thanks for giving to this ministry and for supporting it, and may the Lord richly bless you, strengthen you as you listen to him speak through his word, verse by verse. Let's get ready to return to class now and consider how service relates to unity in our churches. You will remember that Paul said he was sending Timothy to Philippi because he was the only one Paul had available who cared about them. Here's Pastor Steve to continue that thought. Why? Why was Timothy the only one? Well, if Timothy was the only one who genuinely cared for the welfare of the Philippians and everyone else cared for their own welfare, everyone else was into themselves. They were selfish. They were not servants. I mean, you understand that that's what's going on there. In fact, remember I told you about those who were jealous of Paul. You think they were servants? All they thought of was being more popular than Paul, not not servants. But Timothy wasn't like that. He was genuinely concerned for the welfare of others. You see, servants are like that. They aren't too busy with their own business affairs to think of others. Why is it that the typical evangelical church can't find enough Sunday school teachers, youth workers, people to open their homes up for hospitality, and all other ministries? Every single church that I have ever heard of has, a, has struggles in getting people to work, whether it's a small church, whether it's medium-sized, whether it's a huge church. Always something in the bulletin. Always people who need more. Uh, the church needs more help and more help. I'll tell you why. Verse 21 gives us insight. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. That answers the question. 
Many times the reason that churches are crying for help is because people in the church have interests and business pursuits that take precedence over the interests of Jesus Christ. More Christians are interested in their careers and making more money than they can possibly need. I didn't say use, but possibly need than the interests of Jesus Christ, but not Timothy. You see, Timothy understood the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. See, it's the heart. If I'm submitted to the lordship of Christ, then I'll be interested in your welfare. If I'm not, then I'm going to be interested in number one, me. Looking out for number one, so commercial says. But if I'm submitted to the lordship of Christ, then your interests are important. Then my concerns take a back seat to your interests. If I put myself on the throne again and I'm in charge, then we've got problems. And it's every man for himself. If I'm out there doing my own thing and playing games with my Christian profession, then I'm going to be interested in what's best for me, and you really don't count. You see, true servants are interested in people, for Christ's sake. And the danger we face as our church grows is getting too busy for people. You realize that? We can become religious technicians, making sure the mechanics of the building work, and that's important, but it's not the most important thing. Making sure that the techniques of church management are, are all in order. That, that has a place, but, but never to overlook the value of the individual. Never. Servanthood. Now, how did Paul know that Timothy would serve? And how did the Philippians know that Timothy would serve? How did he have that assurance? Well, look at verse 22. But you know of his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. He's been proven. Do you know that servants are not born, they're made? Servants are made. Servants don't develop overnight. And I think that's one of the reasons why we don't have many servants today. Not many men like D.L. Moody, who I told you a few weeks ago would, would uh, polish shoes of the European visitors when students didn't. Not many people ser- are servants. You know why? Because they're not willing to, to, to take the time to be developed into servants. And, and the, the church, today's church, does an injustice to people. One of the things I'm very sensitive about is taking Christian athletes and, and personalities who are well-known, and putting them immediately on the banquet circuit. You destroy someone like that. Destroy someone like that. We, we often promote stars, and we think the Lord needs stars. The Lord is looking for servants, and servants take time. Servants take, take time. If I ever would have the privilege of, uh, of leading a well-known personality to Christ or working with them, you know what my advice would be to them? My advice would be go to your church, get active in a ministry. And just be faithful. Like, let the Lord promote you. But you learn to be a servant. And some people are not like that. And they think that everybody's got to come and hear them. And everybody's going to applaud them. And, and uh, that's why a lot of people who are well-known Christians uh, get burnout. Or it becomes not a ministry, but a business to them. Because they've never had the opportunity to develop as servants. Paul didn't make that mistake with Timothy. What he is saying here is he has proven his faithfulness. Over the course of time, I've given him little jobs to do. And the man has always been faithful. And now he's got this big job because he's proven his faithfulness. Some of us want the spotlight. We don't want to be servants. But the key to being a servant is do whatever job someone asks you to do, whether it's little and unattracted, uh, unattractive to you. That's why years later, Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy, and he said, don't take a new believer and make him a, an elder. He'll be lifted up with pride. He's not ready yet. And, and don't take a man as a deacon who's not been proven. Make sure he's proven over the course of time. So a true servant is selfless. 
selfless so that he's concerned about anything that concerns the Lord. Anything. Anything. Now, Paul concludes his remarks about Timothy in verses 23 and 24. Therefore, I hope to send them immediately as soon as I see how things go for me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also shall be coming shortly. As soon as Paul said he would receive word about the legal decision of the Roman government, would hand down, he would send Timothy. However, he said, Lord willing, I'll be released. I don't know, but Lord willing, I'll be released and I'll see you by, uh, for myself. When the book of Acts closes, it closes with Paul still in prison. That's the background of this. Acts chapter 28, Paul is in prison under house arrest, and he writes this letter. And the book of Acts closes, and if you didn't know anything else, you would, you would say, well, Paul was executed. But apparently, he was not. He was released where the book of, of Acts ends. That is not where the life of Paul ends. He was released only to be thrown in jail again in Rome, and that's the background of First and Second Timothy, and that is the time that he dies. At this point, he will be released. And so we take it that he did get back to see his beloved Philippians. The question is, are you a servant? Are you a servant? God may not, and, and he will not use you exactly the same way that he used D.L. Moody. We shouldn't be used exactly the same way. He may not use you to the point where your name is known around the world. Servants don't care about that. But the question is, is your life marked by sacrificing with joy or is it a chore? Whatever ministry you're doing in the church, do it with joy because you're serving the Lord and you're concerned about others. Is your, is your life marked by sensitivity to others, or are, or are you so wrapped up in your world that you can't see beyond it? If that's the case, you need to change things, and you need to make an effort to think about others. Write yourself notes if you have to. Write yourself notes, but be interested in others. Pray for other people. That'll get your mind off of yourself. I find that when people are consumed with their own problems, the best thing that they need to do is just Pour their lives into somebody else and help someone else solve their problems. And they'll uh, quickly uh, forget their own problems, at least not focus on them. And finally, is your life uh, marked by selflessness? Interest? Are you interested in the things of Christ Jesus? Are you interested in other people? That's, that's only a question that you can answer. But harmony and unity become the norm for a church when its people are committed to being servants. That's where this all links up. Servants aren't divisive. Self-centered people are. If there's division in the church, it's because of self-centeredness. If there's harmony, it's because of servanthood. Let's bow for prayer. Great desire of your heart needs to be, Lord, make me a servant. Make me a servant today. You willing to pray that and mean it? God will do it. God will make you a servant if you care. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to understand that humility begins right there, that you need to humble yourself and admit that you're a sinner and that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that the only way to heaven is trusting Jesus Christ alone for your eternal salvation. And I would invite you to do that, and I'd invite you to let one of our leaders after the service, either at the front uh, or myself in the back, let us know that we can help you. Father, we pray that as we have examined some of the elements in Paul and Timothy's life of servanthood, that you'll make us servants, that you'll help us, Lord, to be interested in others, to sacrifice with joy, to never overlook the value of the individual. Lord, we've spoken about this so many times. I pray that it'll take root in our lives and will evidence itself in our behavior. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. 
Amen. I hope you've been challenged, as I have, to a renewed passion for people. Thank you for listening today. I'm Peter Silseth, and this is Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is taking us one verse at a time through the second chapter of the book of Philippians. Now his expository or verse-by-verse messages come to your radio through this fine station and the work of Verse-by-Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the gifts and prayers of listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. You can listen again to today's broadcast at our website, versebyverseradio.org, or you might like to download it and listen later or share it with a friend. If you do share it, we only ask that you do not charge anything for that. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. Our class today was the conclusion of a three-part message. If you order a CD from us, you can listen to the entire message at once without announcements. Just give us a call at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number and we will call you back during regular office hours. Our number again is 727-441-1714. I hope you'll join us for the next Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve takes a look at some examples of servanthood. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.